listening to the ESP, the European Skeptics Podcast, an independent weekly show set out to bring you news, interesting topics and interviews with people mostly from Europe, building bridges and breaking down language barriers to show the world how active and awesome the skeptical movement is in the region. This is episode 254. I'm your host, Andras Pinter, and joining me for the show are my co-hosts, Annika Harrison and Pontus Böckmann. Sziasztok! Hello. Hey son, hey son. Woohoo. How are you guys? Good. Oh, not bad, not bad. You? It's Christmas. Christmas, Christmas. It is indeed. I have done some Christmas preparations. I have prepared Swedish fried pickled herring. Ooh. <laughs> and I don't know. I do normally like it. I just don't know how, how it came out because it has to, to um, rest for a few days before you, you try it. So it'll be fine. By the time this show comes out, I will have tried it. Just at the moment, I haven't. What, <laughs> what do you mean by, by it resting? Does it mean that uh, it rests outside? It's rotting or... No, okay. no. It's pickling, <laughs> okay. basically. <laughs> okay, okay. Yeah, good, so, good. So, um, well, yeah. as it does that. Yeah. A little interesting. So I'm getting into, into the mood, as they say. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. So it's not the disgusting kind of thing. It's something rather delicious. It I may still suppose. be disgusting because I said, as I said, I haven't tried it yet. But uh, yeah, yeah. normally when my mother prepares it, it's, it's uh, very, very good. So that's why I gave it a try. I gave her a call as well, just to make sure sure that i didn't miss any of her secret tips and tricks <laughs> <laughs> and when is and christmas celebrated in in sweden we On celebrate the 24th, uh, 20, 24th uh, mm. mostly mm-hmm. 25th you rest from all the exhausting <laughs> celebrations that you had the day before <laughs> And yeah. in Hungary? Usually for us, it's uh, Christmas Eve, mm-hmm. yeah. of course, at the 24th is, is when the big big family gathering is and and uh we start uh, handing out gifts and everything uh on the 25th we usually visit relatives and on the 26th relatives come to us but this time it's gonna be three of us <laughs> my father my my niece and that's it because my my mother just went over to the UK, which is not a good thing at the moment. Ooh, she we may not be able to come back. <laughs> yes, that's right. Jesus Christ. More on that later. Uh. Yeah. So this Christmas time is going to be a very interesting thing. Oh boy. Yeah. This will be a, a a Christmas to remember. Yeah. Yeah. But maybe not for good reasons. Yeah, that's right. What about what about Germany, Annika? Germany celebrates on the twenty fourth, but usually also on the twenty fifth and twenty sixth. But the big party or like the I would say like the the nuclear family party thing is usually on the twenty fourth. Twenty fourth, okay. And and um, then twenty fifth, twenty sixth, you do like uh, family stuff. Yeah. Did you did you find it difficult to adjust your traditions, your family traditions, with the Scotty because? He brings over the, the, the traditions from, from <laughs> Australia and, and, and mixing the two might, uh, might uh, prove difficult, or yeah, was it? We're actually just mixing um, everything <laughs> a bit. Okay. So Getting the good stuff out of it. Yeah. A bit of a kangaroo <laughs> over the, under the Christmas tree. And then no, you're we, we actually have a koala in the Christmas tree. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Which is pretty cool. Pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. And um, it's like the good thing is because of the time difference, like we can actually um, Skype the family on the 24th in, in the evening and they will have the 25th in the morning. Oh, yeah. That's so cool. that's. That so nobody totally has to out. adjust. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Oh, great. That's, that's genius. Yeah. yeah. The planet helps us. <laughs> that's good. So, yeah, everyone is preparing for Christmas. You know, what, what is, I find really outrageous is that uh, occasionally I, I have to uh, drive through town or something 
and I see so many people out. So in that regard, I don't think much has changed here in in our country. No. Mm. Because uh, no regulation is has been implemented regarding uh, how many people can can be uh, at one place at a, at the same time or 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 in a store or something. Uh, the stores, the vendors can decide themselves whether they want to limit the number of people they allow inside. But uh, normally there are no central regulations. The only regulations we have at at place is that after 8 o'clock in the evening, you cannot go outside. (laughs) Which doesn't make much sense. No, because everything is closed anyways. Yeah, but I cannot go over. Oh, uh, 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 that's ridiculous. Uh, it's better to be outside. I mean, uh, yeah. it is indeed. Oh, yeah. Crazy. Yeah, the aerosols can. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's actually much healthier to be outside than inside. Exactly, inside. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Especially that it's not very cold outside. Yeah. Well, yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah, but um, I actually found something very Christmassy that I really liked. Okay. Um, because there was a, a German um, skeptical podcast meetup in a way by uh, the podcast Nachgefragt and um, Hoaxilla, and they teamed up for a German Christmas special about Christmas stories, traditions, and where they come from. So if any of our German listeners are in, or people who who understand German are interested in that, we will definitely put that in the show notes because I found it really nice to hear about the traditions um, of Christmas in Germany and where they come from. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Great. Yeah, really cool. Okay. And um, if um, someone is lucky enough to go outside and uh, see a clear sky <laughs> sometime around this week, uh, you might be able to find something very special. I think it's even today, isn't it? It is on the day of our recording, which is Monday, the 21st of uh, December, which happens to be the winter solstice. So the days from now on will be longer. I mean, every day they're, they're going to grow longer and longer. <laughs> at least for a while <laughs> but there is a very special uh, planetary conjunction of jupiter and saturn that can be seen and there are claims that this might have been the Bethlehem star but yeah there are many many questions regarding the Bethlehem star <laughs> and whether that was a thing at all or Bethlehem was the birthplace of jesus who we don't know has ever existed for sure but the the good thing is that we know exactly that around 1623 Galileo's time there was an observation mm-hmm. that um, it was they were very very close to one another not this close though apparently it, this hasn't happened uh, for uh, close to 800 years wow it's pretty cool but that means <laughs> that the two planets are so close together Visibly, that is. Uh, mind you, the, the, this is not the real distance between the two planets because they are very, very much apart. They um, orbit the sun on different orbits, the, the sizes of which differ immensely. But they do look so close together that at arm's length, if you lift off your, your pinky, you can cover both with one pinky. But then you miss the event. <laughs> yes, that's right. But it's not it's it's not that much of an event because to the naked eye they stay together <laughs> all night. The, 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 my, yeah, my question about this: if any of us three on this podcast would have a baby mm. right now under this star, <laughs> what would that mean astrologically? Well, Onika might be able to answer that. Yeah, that's why we actually wanted wanted the baby to be to be born today. We said like, hey, it's the winter solstice. It's a really cool date. It's the planetary conjunction. Mm-hmm. Wouldn't that be a cool idea? But didn't baby didn't agree. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Yeah. But 
it would have been cool. But we said there probably would have been like a, a special, like super psychic. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I think yeah. it, there's a new savior on its way, right? <laughs> probably. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. Psychic give, savior. It uh, brings balance to the force. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> but be careful with that. We know yeah. where it can lead. That, oh, that yes. kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, so be very, very careful. Yeah. And I also have an update for somebody who tried to bring balance to the force or not. Um, because um, I talked last week about the um, Goldenes Brett Award, mm-hmm. and we now know who the winner is, and that is Sukarit Bhakti. Oh, well <laughs> he done! He won the Goldenes Brett. Very well <laughs> yeah. deserved. Great! Yeah. Congratulations for for not uh, not denying COVID, but trivializing it, which is even worse if you're an epidemiologist and biologist. So mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, well deserved, Sukarit Bhakti. Have fun with your Goldenes Brett Award. <laughs> yeah, will there be a physical board to put in front of the head here so that that's a good question you could that would be actually maybe stop some of the nonsense <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> you can't you couldn't see that yeah. <laughs> all the nonsense going on <laughs> yeah <laughs> oh by the way we have just made our decision uh the board meeting confirmed that we will launch a double award uh next year and we have a name for it as well, uh, for both. Cool. We have a name for the positive award, and that's going to be a Houdini award. Uh-huh. Yeah. Very nice. Because of Houdini being of Hungarian origin. I don't know if you've known that. Huh? I didn't know that, no. He cool. was born in Budapest. Mm. That's good. Like it. Yes. Uh, so that's going to be a positive award for achievement in disseminating the, the idea of, of skepticism. Huh? And the other one will be the Flat Earth Award. <laughs> okay <laughs> good great i like that yeah 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 we're coming around to this uh, th- this is the season for that right yes i actually had a board meeting uh, yesterday evening with the board of course and we decided who will win the the awards for 2020 but i cannot tell you because it's still secret it'd be desla oh, of the year award. it's still secret <laughs> it will be announced probably one or two days into the new year and then of course i can talk very about cool it. <laughs> yeah that's really good and uh do you do you do do you involve the general public in uh, the the nomination process or at some point the rules is you have to be a member of the organization to put forward your your nominations and then the, okay. the, and then the board decides out of from 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 that who will win the two awards but of course mm-hmm. the board members are also members so they can also make their own suggestions okay. but we, we okay. but we usually get maybe uh, well at least a dozen maybe sometimes even 20 nominations hmm. for for either category so uh, there are investigations to do as well because some people we don't know that much about or some organizations you could be an organization or a mm-hmm. or a person to win or mm-hmm. you can nominate an organization or a person. Sometimes we do need to do some investigations. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's pretty much how um, how the GWP awards the Carl Sagan Prize. Mm-hmm. Um, because they also, like, you can nominate, but um, the board will decide. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's good. Right. Oh, another, another uh, piece of good news from Hungary. We've been busy. Well, we revealed a fraud Ooh. and it, it, it became a big a media hit actually oh wow that this guy he sells products i i've already talked about his products on the show uh that are supposed to contain uh grapefruit seeds uh extract i uh, remember and yeah. we had um an investigation and turned out that ha, oh, yeah it it doesn't doesn't contain that at all uh but in fact it it, it uh, contains different uh, certain kinds of disinfectant and um uh, 
then it turns out that the guy doesn't even have a degree, but he calls himself a doctor and a PhD as well. And, that's and, so, and when, uh, when uh, some people on our forum uh, decided it was long ago, it was I think it was two years ago, that some people in the forum pointed that out, uh, he actually filed a lawsuit against them for defamation. Wow. Mm-hmm. But they, they are right. And, and one of our previous board members, he was brought to court uh, with this case. And then, obviously, he had to uh, prove that, that he does hold a degree and a doctorate. And it, the, the only thing that he could present was something that he bought online. <laughs> and now this board member of ours uh, wrote it up, uh, the whole story. Uh, we decided not to wait until the the, the court case is, is is done and finished because it's just ridiculous. And uh, now now we expose the guy, and he started clearing up. He he wants to make everything disappear uh, about this, but he can't. Of course not. And some me- news outlets really picked up and run with it. Uh, the the whole story. So it was quite a big hit. Cool. Yeah. This guy, George Chaboy, he got caught. Good work. Mm-hmm. He's a fraud. Good work. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. I, unfortunately, I have one um, a little bit sadder news, uh, but it, it's okay. But it's, I have to do it. Um, anybody or everybody who has uh, wished for my book as a as a Christmas present will have to wait a little bit more. It's no. not done yet. <laughs> uh, it's being uh, edited now by. Uh, uh, people close to me and uh, they have a lot of uh, input let's, shall we say they like it but they have input so i will have to work on it a little bit so it won't be out for christmas but the good news is it will not just be available as an ebook it will also be available as a pocketbook mm-hmm. so. that's very cool yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. looking forward to that yes <laughs> you, you know what, what i've uh, had it rhymes with book as well but Something has been ringing in my ears for, for two days, and it's, uh, Baby, all I want for Christmas is proof. <laughs> but it also works with uh, your book. Maybe all I want for Christmas is your book. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah, a bit too many syllables there, but yeah, never mind. So um, I, I didn't have the time to, to, to work out uh, more of the song, but... Um, <laughs> the world is so. so much poorer for it, Andros. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know, I know. We want to hear it ne- next episode. <laughs> yeah, okay. What the world is really much poorer for it is that uh, I haven't been able to do much about the translation of the debunking handbook. I'm still working on it, but it's going very, very, very slowly because I'm super busy these days. And... Uh, yeah, but I'm working on it. So for those those who are waiting for it to come out, uh, it will. But uh, you just have to wait a little bit longer, as my learned friend said earlier. <laughs> <laughs> but enough of this, because we have a show to do. Show must go on. <laughs> the show must go on. So uh, why don't we start by uh, finding out what happened this week in skepticism? Yes, so this week, on the 22nd of December 1928, the inspiring science journalist, writer and skeptic Piero Angela was born. Yeah! So, happy birthday! <laughs> Buon compleanno! Yes, 
And in his lifetime, he wrote 33 books. What I want to say and what I found really interesting, he says from him to himself or of himself that he was a bad student. <laughs> so he, he said he was really bored in school. He was a bad student. And for me, that's, again, a sign that bad grades don't show how smart you are. And exactly. bad grades don't, don't uh, define you. Yeah. Uh, curiosity is much more important than, than grades, for example. Yeah, Piero Angela is also a um, pianist. And of course, he's one of the founders of Chickup. Mm-hmm. So also the honorary president of, of Chickup yeah. um, since 16, I think. The, the Italian so, skeptics, we should add for yes, n- yes, new the listeners. Italians. Yeah, Chickup being the Chikup, Italian yeah. skeptics, yes. Exactly. So happy birthday, Piero Angela. And mm-hmm. um, we wish you a Merry Christmas and a happy birthday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I've seen him in person <laughs> twice, actually. Oh, you must be famous then. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah, no, I I, <laughs> I was introduced. Massimo Polidoro introduced us. Keep name dropping, <laughs> yes. Yeah. In German, we would call that an Angeber, Andres. <laughs> an, uh, a what? <laughs> an Angeber, somebody's bragging. <laughs> yes, I am bragging now. <laughs> But this is something to brag about. Come on. Yes, yes, definitely. <laughs> I would brag with it too. But I don't think he would uh, remember me. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, oh, by the way, yeah, we recorded the interview or the show of Radio Chikap, where I tried Ooh. my best. Did you say stay tuned? Saying something remotely correct in Italian. <laughs> yeah. And I had a hard, try- hard time trying. So uh, good <laughs> luck, Enrico. Enrico Zabeo, who has Who've been, been on, on our on show. The show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. He will be the one editing the show, so I really feel for him. <laughs> But uh, good luck, Enrico, and thanks for having me. <laughs> But I, I realize that I, I need to work on my Italian a lot more. So uh, thank you very much, Annika. And again, tanti auguri a Piero Angela. And we are moving on to... To hear if Pontus, you have something to poke the Pope for. Yeah, it's been a while. It, a while. It's been three weeks, I think, since we've had the Ooh. pokey pokey uh, segment. We are lenient. <laughs> yeah, it's been a hard year for for the Vatican and for the Vatican finances in particular. Frankie, uh, Frankie, and his little state city state is the smallest state by population of the ones who are official members of uh, the United Nations. Did you know that? Mm. It's not surprising. But And it's the third smallest country when it comes to all the countries in the world. Or, well. and, and some of them are not even countries. They are sort of uh, semi-autonomous uh, state-like uh, things. <laughs> <laughs> more, more specifically, Pitcairn Island only has 55 uh, citizens, I think. <laughs> and uh, Cocos Islands, uh, which I'm not so familiar about, but they have a... Uh, slightly more. So, how how do you how would you how many permanent residents would you think there are or inhabitants there are in the Vatican? Four hundred and something. Do the guard counts count as residents? I'm not quite sure. I I have the mm. number. I haven't I haven't got a list of people. Yeah. I think they remain Swiss citizens. Okay. Okay. So you say four hundred, Andras? What do you say? Four hundred ish. Yeah, yeah. Four hundred ish. So if 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 we say all the servants, all the guards are still like Italian or Swiss, then it probably really needs to be like the church people. Um, 
150? <laughs> uh, you, you're both too low, actually. In in uh, 2019, it was 855, Ooh. according to Wikipedia. It's still tiny when it comes yeah. to be but for a country. Population density-wise, it's very high. Uh, it is. Because, <laughs> the, because it's less than half no, the square kilometer. Yeah, it's like the size of a stamp, really. The area yeah. of it, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so... Uh, <laughs> Probably busier than New York then. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. In that regard. But normally during the year, a lot of people are there. Yeah. Anyway, it's not yeah. just these 850 people. But um, 2020 was not a normal year. That's, of course, for anybody. But with all the tourism lacking, uh, the Vatican is in a, in a... They have troubles with, with their finances because, of course, that they don't have any natural resources to sell or yeah. things like that. So they, they need the tourism to, to get some money in. And another problem they've had financially is the Peter's Pence scandal what, that we have mentioned before, that the charity organization that collects money from all over the world, ostensibly for the needy and the poor... Although, as we have reported before, um, it only forwards a fraction of their collections to where you think they would send it. Um, the neediest seems to be uh, Francis himself, and he's already put his hand on as much money he can from that to cover Vatican deficits. Uh, but it's not enough. The Vatican is projected to make a budget loss of 60 million euro this year. And uh, this should worry Francis quite a bit. Mm -hmm. Only that it doesn't, because he has fixed the problem. Um, okay. Oh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we, we've said before that however pious and saintly he may appear, Frankie is no fool. He is an accomplished politician, and for all his Jesuit disregard for worldly things, he knows his way around uh, a balance sheet. Uh, already in 2014, he gathered the finances of the Vatican into a new council called the Council for the Economy to centralize things. And he has continued to do that, to implement one financial reform after another to get control over, over the money. But uh, here's some new thing that he has done. Enter the Council for Inclusive Capitalism. Mm -hmm. uh, okay. <laughs> I swear I haven't made that up. That is, that is true. Earlier this month, the Vatican announced the formation of this new council, who has a long list of members, mostly CEOs from the corporate world, representing companies such as Bank of America, British Petroleum, Estee Lauder, um, Mastercard, Visa, Johnson and Johnson, Alliance, Dupont, blah 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 blah, many many of those. Together, these guys who are part of this council represent corporate assets of over ten trillion dollars, doing business in one hundred and sixty-three different countries. And the, the and this council has officially placed itself under the moral guidance of Pope Francis and a cardinal called Peter Turkson of Ghana. And with friends like that, I'm sure that Frankie is a little less worried about going bankrupt. I mean, what's a small deficit of 60 million <laughs> among friends like that? Oh, mm -hmm. God. Mm -hmm. Wow. So he, he is very, very clever, Francis. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, mm. <laughs> yeah and... Um... There is a lot of wealth in the Catholic Church, even without the income of the Vatican museums. Uh, that's for sure. That, 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 that's, income, that, that, that is that true. That income by itself is ridiculously high. But so. there, there is a little... I mean, there's 
quite some upkeep as well to do on the uh, St. Peter's uh, church and everything around there. They, they, it cost a little bit. So I, I understand. Yeah but, yeah, but you know what? I'm pretty sure that most of most of that work is voluntary. <laughs> uh, like like there are right. hundreds and hundreds of volunteers that, that are there and uh, eager to help. Uh, literally begging to be of uh, assistance. Yes. 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 Yeah. All right. And you probably yeah, exactly. only need to like sell a candle holder and then you have a million more or something, you know? Right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. But but still, it, so it's impressive in a way that they managed to amount this deficit, mm. 60 million euros in one year. Uh, but again, I mean, they, they, I'm, I'm sure that these new friends that Frankie has made, they are willing to to <laughs> to help cover yeah. if needed. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the other thing is that we've talked about how small the Vatican is. The area of the Vatican is less less than half a square kilometer, but mm. the territories it controls outside of the Vatican, they are massive. There are large estates that belong to the Vatican. Yes, that's true. And they are outside of the Vatican City. <laughs> yes, yes. Like Castel Gondolfo. Exactly. Where, where Benedict lives, right? Yeah. Yeah. The Lateran is outside the Vatican as well. Places, and they are massive. <laughs> that's true. And they are very expensive as well. All right. Well, the Pope has been poked again. <laughs> Very nice. Good. Well-deserved poking. I don't know. Uh, he must have thought that uh, he's off the hook for, for you not, not poking him for three weeks I in think, a row. I, I saw a picture. He looked very relaxed. But now I think yeah. you, we put the, the, the stress back up. Not wrinkles will be back. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. We can't have him relaxed, though. No. Okay. Oh, we are being very disrespectful here. <laughs> Never mind. Talking about respect, we have to respect the rules and regulations, but let's see what's going on on the COVID-19 front. So, unfortunately, things are getting, well, in one way, they are getting very, uh, very positive, and uh, we, we have a reason to be optimistic. But uh, the numbers don't look very good at the moment. And Christmas is coming. That means a lot of people will be moving on, will be moving together, will be uh, spending time together with their families because they just can't stay home. But even politicians go and uh, do some do gatherings. And um, last week, I think it was, when there was an EU summit. And after the summit, Macron, Emmanuel Macron, tested positive for COVID-19. So he went into self-isolation, which might be over by the time this goes out. And uh, I hope that he doesn't have a severe illness yeah. or his uh, much elder wife who definitely falls into the higher risk group. But uh, the other, on another front, uh, Germany doesn't seem to be coping very well, right? So no. <laughs> close to 30,000 new cases per day as of now yeah. and close to 30,000 deaths so far altogether altogether yeah which is really really gruesome and uh that means that germany goes into a harder lockdown as uh, as christmas is coming so what what are the rules for now what what, what does that mean the whole harder lockdown well we already did um last okay no at the beginning of last week um so that means most schools went into um homeschooling again okay Okay. And um, they closed all non-essential shops because they wanted to keep people. I think I think from Wednesday on. Okay. They wanted to keep people from doing all this busy Christmas shopping. Okay. Of course, then they did that on Monday and Tuesday. So like the the cities were a nightmare. Everything was full and busy. Yeah. Yeah, and um, 
yeah, they're keeping grocery stores, drug stores, and so on open, like things you still really need. Yeah, yeah. And I think they also took back some of the permissions, the extra permissions they gave for um, for Christmas and New Year's. So yeah, yeah. for Christmas, you're allowed to, I think five people are allowed, but I would have to re- read into that. Um, and they also um, forbade a firework for, for New Year's. So, which is de- which is definitely something to 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 f- forbid because it's uh yeah it's the 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 best way to spread COVID right with fireworks. Well, it's it's on the one hand it's um, really <laughs> how would that work, Andros? Please elaborate. <laughs> no, no, no. I'm pretty sure it's because because of, uh, when the crowds are gathering outside to to see the fireworks, yeah. that's that's yeah, the hazardous thing. There are also two two more reasons there um, that I I've read off, <laughs> and that is one they want to keep the hospitals um, empty for yeah, so COVID avoid <laughs> accidents. Every year we have. Yeah, we have people who get hurt by not being able to actually light firework properly. Yeah. <laughs> and the other thing is that I've read is like because firework creates this very fine dust, mm-hmm. um, it actually can can um, make your make your COVID condition worse because you inhale this dust. Yeah, really? Okay. Yeah, yeah and if you're if you're you contracting go. COVID and you start coughing because of it, uh, even if you don't have severe st- symptoms, yeah. you can you hmm. can more easily spread the, the, yeah. the disease. So yeah, it's like right. three or more good reasons to not have fireworks this, yeah, this yeah. Uh, New Year's. Yeah, and fireworks. Yeah. Fireworks, yeah, they, they are fun for about one minute and then after after that they, they just get boring, in my opinion. But uh, that's a personal <laughs> A very very personal opinion. Yeah, um, my brother was sad. Like he he really likes firework, and he was oh, sad about it. But thing. nothing to nothing to be done about it. It's forbidden, and that's it. It is. Yeah, yeah. Of course. But let's see some good news as well. So it happened today. So by the time this goes out, it's going to be old news. But on the day of the recording, we have learned that the EMA, the European Medicines Agency, which is uh, responsible for approving medications and uh, approving drugs and uh, and vaccines as well uh, for the European region, uh, they approved the Pfizer vaccine. And today, on Monday, the day, the day of our recording, uh, the EU, the European Commission, uh, specifically gave the green light for the vaccinations to commence across the block, which is really good news. Uh, that means that on the 27th of December, the first jabs can be administered across Europe. So very, very good reasons to be optimistic. But uh, I have to also mention that um, the European uh, Public Health Alliance published the call, which was a joint um, kind of initiative uh, with 39 organizations across Europe that or related somehow to health-related issues, uh, then they called for a full transparency when it comes to vaccines and vaccinations. Uh, how EU contracts between the European Union and the vaccine providers work and, and about all that. Uh, so that it can ensure the success of the EU vaccine strategy. Strategy, Because one of the reasons why we see an unwillingness uh, to, to take the vaccine across Europe and across the globe, actually, is that kind of uh, the lack of trust and that kind of um, um, suspicious attitude towards the vaccinations. So um, they call for a transparency to mitigate that and uh, i think it's a good thing uh, and i th- i really hope that um, the eu will provide that kind of that level of transparency 
that uh, can build up the trust. Definitely. Yeah, a certain transparency I will talk about in a little while. Um, I don't know if it will contribute to the trust of the actual vaccines themselves, but uh, okay. stay tuned, as they say in <laughs> Italy. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, famous Italian saying. <laughs> yeah. But unfortunately, uh, we don't only have good news. It's really great that the vaccine is now available and it will be available for oh, millions of people across Europe. But the problem is that something that has been feared for a long, long time seems to have actually happened. So a new strain has been identified in the UK, in the south of England first. But uh, the latest government reports say the new strain is there in every part of the UK as of now. And even though they have also said 500,000 doses of the Pfizer vaccine, the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine, have already been administered across the country, there is fear that if this strain uh, spreads faster, or very, very fast, which seems to be the case, so it looks like it's, uh, it, the, the mutation, this kind of mutation, altered the spike protein structure which might affect the efficacy of the vaccine because it, can, it, it probably cannot identify, your immune system cannot identify the virus as well as it did the original. So that is a cause for concern and uh, we'll see how it goes. But how European countries uh, try to mitigate that is that now there is a ban, a travel ban from the UK to a growing number of European countries. So I'm pretty sure by the time this goes out, all European countries will have banned uh, travels from the UK. Yeah. Uh, as we as we record this, there's a, there's a problem going on at the moment because Sweden did say stop this, but there are there were a, a couple of hours ago at least there were six airplanes in air on its way from the UK to Sweden <laughs> and the the question was will what will happen when they land will that be re, uh, will they count as before or after the the travel ban <laughs> wow okay yeah we'll see yeah. so that's a that's a new issue and that has been something to to watch for a long time but it uh, it looks like it, it it has happened now mm. so we all have to be very careful and my mum, who went over to the UK to visit my sisters, uh, one of them is about to give birth very soon. Well, she might not be able to come back anytime soon. <laughs> so craziness. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's not crazy. That's not what I mean. But it's but it's a crazy life. But of course, yeah. she just has to understand that uh, that this is the case. And I'm just I'm a little bit worried about her. Mm. Uh, no, I'm very much worried about her. But uh, <laughs> I'm a little bit worried that uh, she might not be able to avoid getting infected and uh but she could not be stopped and that must be the case for a lot um, a good many people and uh, that that is another cause for concern because without the vaccination we, we just shouldn't be traveling all over the all, the, all over the place hmm. stay home yeah and wait it out if you can you'll like you'll and see your grandchildren <laughs> again but if you die now you won't be able to see your grandchildren yeah. <laughs> but if you're a medical doctor don't stay home do your job and we were we're very very thankful that you're doing your job right so yes. to say. yeah i think i think for them it 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 still goes without saying and yeah. i admire them for that attitude they're at the front line and and i yeah. i love them for it <laughs> yeah yeah we all do all right so um let's see what else uh, has been around, has been going on uh, across Europe. 
Yeah, so um, this actually ties in very well to what we talked about before because our friend Martin Moder, who also was interviewed on our show, mm-hmm. um, he made a very good video about the COVID vaccine um, because I don't know how it is in, in Sweden or in Hungary, but in Germany, people have been very skeptical about the vaccine and they always say, huh, how can that work that they uh, only need a few months and actually make a vaccine? How can that work? How How safe is it? And he just he just looked at a few um, examples of vaccines, um, good examples and bad examples. And um, one, so to say, bad example, like a very controversial vaccine, was um, a vaccine against the swine flu. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there, for example, um, the most um, long-term effects that happened with the swine flu vaccine, they started at six weeks. Something they took into consideration for the COVID vaccine tests because they mm-hmm. did these tests at least eight weeks long and um, also several times. <laughs> and um, they also got more people involved because with the swine flu testing range, they only had about 2,000. And um, in uh, with the COVID vaccine, they tested a lot more people. And apparently with the swine flu vaccine, a few people developed narcolepsy mm-hmm. from the vaccine. Yeah. But as did some with the actual disease. <laughs> and um, as you can see, the vaccine is still less risky than the actual disease. The disease is, is much worse. You had a much like the, the likelihood of you developing narcolepsy as a long term effect was higher. And you still had the disease too. So of course you should always take everything with a grain of salt. We all are skeptical people. We're not vaccine skeptics, of course, but it's good to always ask questions. But um, we're lucky enough that we don't have to wait until everybody is like infected or like everyone is either infected or dead, <laughs> you know? Like we are, we are lucky enough <clears throat> in our lifetime that we don't have to wait until everybody had it. And that we can develop vaccines. And of course, you have to look at the costs and benefits. That's what Martin Moda also says in the video. Yeah. And I have to say with like death and dead loved ones and very bad long-term effects of COVID on the one hand, I'd much prefer an, like an immune reaction or something on the other hand. Yeah. And that's, that's, that, that's my opinion, of course. But <clears throat> I have to say like Martin Moda really explained that really well. And, and he also said like, well, we're actually lucky to have this vaccine and, um, and they tested it vigorously. Like they, they took every precaution they could pretty much. Hmm. Yeah. And I've had uh, arguments with uh, people who, who argued with this narcolepsy situation with the swine flu, flu vaccine. But uh, do we really want to list narcolepsy as a very serious uh, health issue? I mean, it is, but it's it doesn't lead to a serious physical health problems. Ah, uh, but it I mean, does. It does limit you quite a lot. I mean, you can't drive does, a car, yeah, for instance. So, so I mean, yeah, of for course, a person who gets it, it, it is a, a, a tragedy, I would say. But it's still not as serious as dying. So <laughs> it's less serious than dying. That's true. Um, yeah. I think we learned or not we, but the science learned a lot from that uh, yeah, exactly. very unexpected and very rare complication. Uh, and I, I don't think that will happen again. You can't say it's not without any risk because there's always a little bit of a risk. 
but the alternative is so much worse you know yeah. try to handle the covid situation without any vaccine at all yeah that's I mean, what we're trying to we've what, been trying what, to do how, what, there's nothing to handle that's not handling yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah we, we yeah. would just have to have wait about like five years until everybody either had it or is dead yeah right you know it's just like yeah 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 yeah, 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 yeah. and yeah, that yeah. would throw us back decades uh, yeah. yep. if not more so right. yeah. much rather have a vaccine <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 and that's again something about science that don't expect certainties there are no certainties in science there are probabilities and there are risks and 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 that kind of stuff yeah you cannot be absolutely certain that it will not have an adverse effect it's it cannot be guaranteed. Yeah, there are no guarantees in science. But it's like, <laughs> even if you draw blood, you can have a side effect of that. Yeah, of course. Yeah. It's like yeah. nothing is, is 100% safe. <laughs> or get out of the bed in the morning. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Or stay yeah. in right. bed in the morning. That's a risk too. Right? <laughs> Everything is risky. Ah! Everything is risky, yes. <laughs> oh, don't want that. It's very dangerous to live because you may die. Okay, speaking of trusting science, uh, there's a study in Sweden that have uh, been conducted every year since uh, 2002. It measures the attitude uh, that the Swedish public has towards science and research and researchers in particular. It's called the VA Barometer. And this year uh, it was quite interesting to see how living with a pandemic has influenced people's trust in well towards science and research so how, how do you think it came out in in general you guys here on the show do you think it was increased or decreased people's trust in science decreased uh, we have in germany it would be decreased probably it's increased <laughs> but uh, is it are we talking about the reports on science or of science itself how people trust scientists and researchers mm. do they hmm. yeah. i would like to think that it has reason yes you would like so wishful thinking from andras there and and that's from right. the Ger that's from right. germany you said it would decrease yeah i would say it, like in germany it would be decreased but <clears throat> i don't know how how it is in sweden so 50 50 no, that's right i'm going to tell you so because the the results were actually rather encouraging uh, trust in academic researchers has gone up from 80% to 88%, which is both of those numbers are high, but it's mm. going even yes, higher. Yes, nice. Trust in corporate researchers, uh, are it's, that's lower, but it still has increased from 50% to 60%. Uh, also, the study looked uh, how the people trust journalists in general and also science journalists in particular. And they don't do that every year. So the numbers we have to compare with is 2017. Trust in journalists in general had increased from 37% to 45%. Still pretty low, but I mean, it's journalism anyway. Uh, I can understand that. Uh, but for science, science journalists, the number went up from 60% to 67%. So the question was, do you trust what a science journalist are telling you in the media and and the answer was yes or no or or also so that, that's interesting I, I i wouldn't have bet on that outcome but i'm pleased with it mm -hmm. uh, i think uh, if we can speculate about the reasons i think the more worried you are the more you want to trust authorities. If you don't have anything to worry about, you don't. You can just rely on yourself and you don't have to rely on others. But when you're scared, you want to cling to some authority figures. 
which researchers are, which journalists are to some extent. My, what my worry is that, and this is pure speculation on my point, I, I, I worry if we see if, if there's an increased polarization, the ones there were, I, I think the number of people who don't want to trust anybody mm-hmm. has decreased. Uh, and then you either trust the proper channels, proper researchers, or you find somebody on YouTube that you want to trust. So I think this also creates, even though these numbers look good, I am a little bit afraid that it also hides the fact that some people put higher trust in in populists that they find online as well. Mm. But I, I, I don't know. That's what I think. Mm-hmm. Well... I can second that, actually, Mm. with data from Hungary. Mm -hmm. Good. So Ipsos did a survey in Hungary about the same attitudes that you just talked about. Okay, okay. (laughs) And, uh, well, we saw that uh, trust in all media sources has risen um, to to an all-time high, I mean, throughout the pandemic. But the only thing that didn't gain any trust... Uh, over the period of July to December was uh, government websites. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Everything else has been on the rise since July, including YouTube that you just mentioned, unfortunately. So uh, m- more than 25% uh, of the respondents are saying now that they trust YouTube as a source and uh, uh, social media sources as well for the reliability of the information. And, um, well, that is interesting, but when you put it together with how much people usually trust, according to Ipsos's uh, survey, scientists who speak in the media, it has risen to an all-time high of 69% in December. Mm-hmm. So that's uh, more than two-thirds of the people trusting the scientists the most among all the other sources. So. It looks quite good, mm. but there are other questions that they have asked. And one of them is whether the media is exaggerating the cor- coronavirus situation and the pandemic and how severe it is. And back in April, 33% said that it was exaggerated. In June, when, mind you, that Hungary did, a, did very well, 54% said that it was absolutely exaggerated. And it has started to slowly decrease, that number, but only went down to 48%. So there are still 48% of the, of the respondents saying that is exaggerated when we are doing very badly. And still almost half of the people think that is exaggerated. Mm. So there are good parts of this survey that are very, <laughs> that, that uh, are causes for optimism. But uh, uh, when it comes to the questions whether they are people have changed attitudes uh, in terms of their everyday life whether they wash their hands more frequently uh, whether they wear a mask everywhere it seems to be on the rise as well so those kind of attitudes are showing a slight betterment uh, through time since uh, october november and december but uh, it's not very it's still not there uh, where where it should be and uh, what what is kind of shocking is that people don't tend to keep their children away from uh, social activities 
So that seems to be, and there are lots and lots of uh, cases of uh, children uh, getting the the virus and uh, teachers and uh, parents Hmm. getting the virus as well. So that seems to be only 20% of the people say that they they keep their children away from uh, social activities, which I totally understand that children need social activities, but what we don't need is children spreading the virus. And even though they probably don't spread it as often and as much as we used to think, but it's still an important thing to keep them away from social activities. Yeah, and it's also something that I noticed um, in school. Oh, no, not really in my school. Like my class had, has been really good. My school has been pretty good in that regard. But um, I so often notice that it's usually the parents. Mm-hmm. or not, not usually, but often it's the parents who say like, oh God, my, chi- re- my child really needs uh, this hobby or this exercise or this and that. And the children are usually like, I don't want to infect my grandma. I wear a mask. Yeah. Like for them, it's like they are much more understanding. They're much more empathetic and they're much yes. more like they regard it as much more normal, maybe because they're more flexible in their brains. I don't know. Yeah. But, but I, I just noticed like that it's much more often that there's the parents or the adults who are difficult. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because children are flexible. Yes. They can change their habits very, very easily. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Unlike parents. Very adaptable. Yes. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. All right. Let's talk about the king of Sweden because we don't talk a lot about him. <laughs> no. Uh, for good reasons. <laughs> <laughs> Tell us about him. <laughs> What's his name? Age? <laughs> Carl and Sexton de Gustav. That's his name. Carl... <laughs> <laughs> Carl the Sixteenth Gustav, because for some reason they put the number in the middle of his two names. Anyway, he is uh, he. What his age is, I, I don't know exactly, but he's getting. Uh, I, I'm sure he is. Uh, I'm, I'm, he's approaching seventy, almost. I think six, okay. somewhere between sixteen seventy. I don't know. But he made a. St- You're not a big fan, are you? No. Can you tell already? I haven't even started yet. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, actually, no. To be just state up front, I don't mind him as a person. I, I I'm not very fond of monarchies as such. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, the Swedish king last week made a statement during an interview uh, that got some attention. When asked to comment on the Swedish situation regarding the pandemic, he said, "Quote: I believe that we have failed." End quote. And of course, the situation in Sweden isn't good. It's not good in Europe as a whole. It's not good in the world compared to our Scandinavian neighbors. Deaths from COVID per 1 million inhabitants are more than four times as high if you compare to Denmark, for example. So Sweden hasn't been doing very good. And I get emails from people saying how sorry they are for me having to live in such a terrible country. But it all comes down to statistics again. Part of it comes down to statistics and how you compare it. We have had uh, many more deaths uh, than than Denmark uh, per capita. But actually, compared to the EU as a whole, Sweden is almost just smack in the middle. It's We're just average. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, I just want to make that point because I don't think people have that impression. Mm-hmm. And I think also, and I've said this before, and I admit it's partly speculation on my point, but I do suspect that Sweden is is 
very good at collecting and classifying COVID statistics, perhaps better than a lot of other countries. So that may also inflate the numbers a bit in Sweden, make it diff- more difficult to compare to mm-hmm. other countries. Uh, Denmark, I think, is almost as good as Sweden or maybe just as good as Sweden in, in doing the statistics. But we know... F- for example, that Spanish excess mortality is way above the reported COVID deaths, like like fifty percent or so. I can't exactly mm-hmm. remember, but we talked about this in the past. So that that there's something fishy there in Sweden. The excess deaths almost exactly match the number of COVID deaths, which is what you would expect. Still, that's not much of a consolation to say that well, there are others that have it worse than we have. But back to the king again because I'm not finished with him. <laughs> uh, there are completely other reasons that his statement is is quite out of line. The, 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 the king of Sweden has no political, medical or any other professional competence or mandate regarding anything really, and especially not when it comes to, to this pandemic. It isn't his place to make a judgment over policies in general. Uh, and that's important because he's recorded... He's an authority figure, of course, because of who he is. And so people listen to him. And he, to be uh, honest, doesn't have the competence to make such a statement. He doesn't know because he doesn't have the training. And uh, he has also uh, a history of putting his foot in it all the time by making all kinds of stupid statements in the past. So he's not a person I would trust very much, even if he wasn't the king, if you will. He also has a legal obligation to stay out of politics, which this will be used as by some people. Plus, by saying that, quote unquote, we have failed, he actually implies that he had anything that he could do about it. And he didn't. He can't. And he he has no power to do anything about that. Okay, but he does represent a nation, doesn't he? He Yes, he does. But he shouldn't imply that he could have done anything about it so it's sort of a false thing saying that we depending on how you read the we in that statement yeah uh, we the monarch hasn't had any input into how we handle the the situation he shouldn't yeah yeah, that's right and if he says we haven't as in the whole nation then he's actually and and if he would acknowledge that he hasn't anything to do with it it's actually blaming a lot of other people Mm -hmm. which he has no competence to judge how competent they are yeah right that's right right okay okay yeah i was just thinking that when uh you're in a football match and uh yeah but they are famous for always using we and uh, (laughs) yeah yeah your group wins then you say we won yeah. yeah, you had nothing to do with it, man. <laughs> I was yeah, only yeah. clapping. <laughs> yeah. You were not the one kicking the ball. Right. <laughs> I have a final thing to say. Well, maybe it's not final, but for today anyway, a final word about the Swedish handling of the pandemic. And I believe the pandemic will trigger legal changes in Sweden in the future because there are two things that has influenced the authorities' response and which may not be apparent for, for non-Swedish people and maybe even for some Swedish people. The first thing is that we have a very, very strong protection of the right of assembly in Sweden. We don't technically have a constitution. What we have is something called a basic or a fundamental law, but that is a law that you cannot change very easily. And that gives people a fundamental right to assembly, which means that the government cannot just say you cannot 
meet anymore because that's against the shall we call it the constitution mm-hmm. they, they don't have the authority to do that they can only make recommendations the other thing that is rather particular i think for, for sweden is that there is a legal obstacle against ministers of government to try to directly interfere with the execution of public offices like the health authorities mm-hmm. you cannot as a minister go in and say you need to do this as a health Uh, authority because we have protected these experts and it's not just health experts but any experts from politicians meddling in things because to try to win political points so that's a good thing in it's good i mean good the thinking is good from the start but it means also that when we have this kind of of emergency the the politicians hands are tied they can not direct the health men, uh, health authorities to to act in a certain way they have to leave it up to them yeah. so again the swedish government only can say we recommend this based on expert authority blah 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 which is very weak and which is what has been called abroad the swedish quote unquote model we've got a very good model that you can borrow yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure you do I mean, it doesn't really work I mean, uh, uh, in, in uh, uh, tackling uh, the pandemic, but yeah. No, but it's, it's been said before that if you have a benevolent dictator, yeah. then that is the most efficient way of governing things. But isn't the, that an oxymoron? Exactly. That's the problem. That's the problem. So, but I think due to this pandemic this year, I think these laws and regulations will be looked into very Uh, carefully to see maybe there needs to be some modifications to this because in an uh, in when you have to act fast mm-hmm. it's actually a problem but again i think to change the fundamental laws in sweden you have to have two parliament votes with a qualified majority i think it's two thirds and you have to have an election in between So it takes time to make such a change, which is a long time, which is good because you don't want a populist party to come in and just change everything overnight. Yeah. But it also takes time when you want to move quickly. Yeah. Yeah. All right. And we should have had that. (laughs) (laughs) I will take you now to a completely different um, area, but maybe as um, unqualified as the statement of the king. <laughs> okay, good. Um, because there's a karaoke bar in Berlin that wants to sue uh, the virologist Professor Drosten, who works at Berlin um, Charité. And he's a very, very good and very knowledgeable um, virologist. And also was researching the coronavirus even before the pandemic actually broke out. Yeah, and... Behind this bar, or like with this bar, uh, uh, is the Querdenker movement. Aha, uh-huh. them again, yes. Yes, them again. And they want a compensation for the lost income because they feel the lockdown <laughs> is too harsh. Aye, aye. Yeah. Um, so that was something that really hit the media and everybody was like, what? <laughs> What's happening? And um, yeah, but actually it, it's not very likely that he will actually be t- taken to court because there's no court that will take this. Hmm. Like... The court obviously agrees with um, the facts, <laughs> and they can't. They won't take it up. 
And so we can assume that he won't be sued, but it was still pretty um, pretty high in the media, in the German media. <laughs> yeah, that's mm -hmm. good because I, I hate it when, when medical facts come up to a court, in a legal court, to be decided there because yeah. th that's not the place to do that. Science is not yeah. <laughs> established in the courts. Yeah, it's not negotiable. <laughs> no, that's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we've reported a, uh, on a couple of couple of uh, yes. occasions when that we happened. Did. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Well, when it comes to uh, COVID-19 uh, falsehoods, hoaxes and all that stuff, it probably helps to have a compilation of all those, right? And uh, this is what the Spanish Society for the Advancement of Critical Thinking did when they published a monograph of COVID-19 and critical thinking. It's a list of the most frequent hoaxes and falsehoods that have emerged during the pandemic of 2020. And it's a collaboration between the organization itself and its partners to provide the best science along with the compilation of, of all the claims. And uh, unfortunately, it's only available in Spanish. But for Spanish-speaking uh, listeners of ours, uh, if you haven't come across that, then go online, uh, go on our website where you will find the link to that. And uh, you can have it. Obviously, it's not only a list, but also it it straightens up a couple of things. So it, it clears things up a bit, which really helps when we need to find out whom to trust and what kind of information to believe. All right. Good news, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So back to the pandemic again. Um, <laughs> as I hinted at before, there were, we, we talked about transparency in, in how uh, the EU has handled uh, the vaccine situation. Mm -hmm. uh, there was some accidental transparency happening the other day when the Belgian Secretary of State for Budget and Consumer Protection, Eva de Bleker, um, she wanted to be, in her own words, she said, I, I want to be transparent. Uh, but what she did was she tweeted out the costs of the different vaccines that EU has negotiated with the, the different manufacturers. And those costs were, were supposed to be confidential by, by contract. But uh, hey, now we know. <laughs> so it turns out <laughs> that the cost paid by uh, EU per dose is very, very different between the different vaccines. And maybe there's good reasons behind that. I, I, I'm not qualified to say, but it's interesting anyway. The cheapest by far is the one from AstraZeneca. That's the Oxford, Oxford uh, vaccine. Uh, the price per dose is just 1.78 euros. So very cheap, really. Mm -hmm. uh, the next one is um, uh, the one from Johnson & Johnson, which is 6.93 euros. Uh, then we have 7.56 euros for Sanofi JSK. 10 euros for a, a, a vaccine from CureVac. And, and bear in mind, not all of these... Of course, vaccines are are approved yet, and may, some of them may not be. The, the Pfizer vaccine is $12 per a dose, and uh, Moderna has negotiated a price of 14.68 euros. So it's everything from a, less than 2 euros to uh, almost 15 euros. Interesting. Yeah, it's interesting <laughs> to know. And the good news here is that all of them are much, much cheaper than was believed when the development of these vaccines started, when the estimates were between 25 and 30 
euros. Mm -hmm. So on average, it's less than half the cost that was expected. And now we know, thanks to Eva <laughs> de Blecker. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Cool. I, I, mean, I like transparency. It's, yeah. It's, um... <laughs> she said herself, and uh, of course, she apologized for doing this. And uh, she said, well, I, I do apologize, but not no real harm was done. And um, what's done is done. I can't take it back. And I think she was pr probably right there. Uh, what can you do? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So uh, from something that proved to be very surprising on to something that is not that surprising. And that is that with regards to climate change and temperatures, global temperatures, uh, it looks like 2020 has made it into the top three of the warmest years on record. Mm. Who could have seen that coming? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't know. So the problem is it still hasn't been worked out whether it can make it to the top, but it's definitely among the top three. And uh, well, it's it's not that difficult because the, the last decade be between uh, 2011 and 2020 has been the, sh the hottest decade on record, according to the World Meteorological Organization. And um, 2016, when uh, there was an El Nino event that was record high. And uh, then now we are expecting a La Nina, which means that uh, we are, we are expe expecting a, a cooling effect uh, for 2021. But it still hasn't really kicked in. So that means that 2020 can still make it to the top. But that comes with a lot of other things. So unfortunately... As the year started with large, massive wildfires across Australia and then California and uh, all those areas, it, it, it's, it doesn't really come as a su surprise. But uh, unfortunately, a sea level rise has been uh, registered as well. Sea acidification has been registered, an increase in that. So it doesn't look good. Well, I think it just goes very well with all the shit that has been thrown at us in 2020 that uh on top of this this is just the, the, the crown is put on all this and we say that yeah it keeps rising and uh <laughs> yeah and unfortunately we can we don't seem to be able to do anything about it as of now well we've reported in 2020 as well we reported on a lot of decisions made um in terms of how to tackle the climate change situation but uh well we are a little bit skeptical about what can be achieved in the next decades. We'll see. Not that we're not going to try. We are going to try, but uh, yeah. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> uh, we definitely yeah. will see. That's uh, that's something we cannot avoid. Exactly. Yeah, from something that uh, is pretty depressing, um, I have very good news. <laughs> good. We didn't want to finish with the depressing news. <laughs> yes, <laughs> on time. Because the World Health Organization um, declared that Santa is immune to COVID. <laughs> Really? Good. Yes. That's good news. Okay. So good if news. you're a child or if you have a child in the room with you, please close their ears for for like the next two sentences. Because I'm, of course, I have to say I'm skeptical. I'm not skeptical of uh, being immune to COVID. I'm a bit skeptical of Santa, actually. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> Controversial stuff. Yes. But be that as it may. You're denying the whole thing. <laughs> I'm, I'm a Santa denier. <laughs> Santa denier. <laughs> 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 but, no, you're a Santa skeptic. 
<laughs> Center skeptic. Oh yeah. No, that's not a good abbreviation in Germany. No, that's, uh, I'd no, much rather be right. a center denier. <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> but be that as it may, I'm really happy that the Christmas presents for the children are safe. And um, I I found that really cute of the World Health Organization to actually bring that bring that as a news item. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, and then I wanted to ask you guys: Are there any um, Christmas traditions in your families that you always do, like every year? Otherwise, it wouldn't be a tradition, would it? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. This year is crazy, so let's not talk about this year. But I have for many, many years, um, and now you have to really put, uh, keep the children away here. But I've been dressing up as Santa and been delivering the presents. It's been it's great fun. Uh, the the younger. Uh, and this is with cousins to my children and, 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 and so, but it's been very, very much fun over the years. And um, eventually the youngest ones, they, they believe in it, but eventually they, they, uh, they recognize Uncle Pontus and, and it, it mm-hmm. doesn't matter really <laughs> because it's still a fun game and everybody plays along uh, and it's great. And then <laughs> I should say the most Swedish of all Swedish traditions... I should say, is that before Santa arrives on Christmas Eve, uh, you have to watch uh, Donald Duck on TV. <laughs> because there is this... Yeah, it's it's crazy how it is. But it's been like that since I was a kid and it's still like that. Everybody gathers around three o'clock in the afternoon. Swedish public television uh, sends a series of uh, uh, Donald Duck and other Disney uh, short Uh, animated stories and there's a Swedish uh, guy talking over it's always the same guy I think he's dead but (laughs) it's the same voice you've you've seen it since the 60s and you have to do that and then Santa comes wow that's pretty cool (laughs) Donald Duck oh my god (laughs) you know and everybody says do we really need to see this bloody Donald Duck again and (laughs) then they all do because it's part of Christmas (laughs) (laughs) What about you, Anders? <laughs> in my family, part of the Christmas tradition has become uh, watching Love Actually. Ooh. We did that the other day, actually. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I love that movie. Yeah, it's on Netflix now. <laughs> yeah, it's nice. Yeah, yeah. Cool. And what about your traditions, Annika? I have to say, like, in, in my uh, family, like, with my brothers and, and my parents, we always watch some, something Swedish, actually, Pontus. <laughs> <laughs> Why is that? And that is these movies of, um, these children's movies of um, Madita, Madikin. Madikin, yes, of course. Yeah, and, um, and uh, Michel, I think it's Emil. In, in Swedish. Emil, that's right. Yeah. So like all of these Astrid Lindgren uh, <laughs> right. um, movies. You, have you heard of Astrid Lindgren, uh, no. Anders? No. No. She, she, <laughs> she, she was Nothing a... that you guys have said make any sense to me I literally called right Annika <laughs> because of Astrid Lindgren. Oh, really? Are you? Yes. Wow. Yes. How interesting. So okay. That's great. But Astrid Lindgren was this great... Uh, uh, lady who, who she started quite late i think she published her first book when she was around 40 or so yeah but she wrote a number of very very popular children's books and mo- lots of them all of them i think have been uh, made into films some with german swedish collaborations did you know that the yeah the wow. pippi longstockings yeah were a swedish English, no, sorry, German-Swedish collaboration back in the early 70s, I think. 
Yeah, yeah, she was a huge hit in Germany. I think because um, she got picked up by this uh, German publisher quite early in her career, who recognized that she had this much, uh, like that she was pretty much a, yeah. the treasure chest, so to say. Right. And um, yeah, like she's she's a big hit in in Germany. You don't want to know how many Astrid Lindgren primary schools there are in Germany. So <laughs> just they named um, primary schools after her. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Like she's she's huge and um, yeah in my in, in my family in my birth family we we always watch these movies on on Christmas Eve. <laughs> All right, I didn't know that. That's yeah. interesting. <laughs> yeah, and with with like Scotty and my family, we're pretty much just starting the family, so we don't have any traditions yet. But you we will see. You can decide. You can yes. decide. You could can... go Donald Duck, or you could go Pippi Longstockings. <laughs> That's up yeah. to you. <laughs> or Blinky Bill, or whatever you know. <laughs> Great. Well, we can make that up. <laughs> we can watch Doctor Who for all we want, you know. <laughs> right. Yes. All right. So, yeah, <laughs> that was my news item. <laughs> so Santa, Santa is safe. That's that's good because yes. it's uh, yeah. Um, I was worried for a moment because he's in the risk group as well. Yes. Um, After this year, sure. it's good that <laughs> to have that. Yeah, not only for her for his age, but but also the weight and, and stuff. Yeah. So yeah, I think. I think he's, uh, yeah, it's good to know he's safe. He could also be a super spreader, you know? <laughs> yeah, a super spreader. Yeah. He, he goes around the whole world as well. You know, he <laughs> yes. gives yes. The, everybody the disease. <laughs> Touches all surfaces, all kinds of surfaces. Yeah, uh, eats cookies, drinks milk. <laughs> eats cookies, drinks milk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that uh, beard, that it must be very difficult to keep clean so uh, yeah children don't touch those presents before i have disinfected them <laughs> yes. yeah <laughs> no but it, that's why it's good that that he's immune to covid and yes. he can't yeah, spread yeah, it right. he can't have it so great christmas what about safe. baby jesus our oh, baby jesus must be must be immune a bit, uh, yeah babies babies are not that much affected well yeah. ba baby yeah, jesus is already uh back in heaven isn't he <laughs> he's not traveling around the world like yeah. santa is no. <laughs> yeah yeah oh, probably not in your countries oh well yeah that's true well, like we are expecting kind, yeah here here in hungary we are expecting baby jesus it's yeah. not it's not santa that we we're expecting santa was on the 6th of december when the name day of saint nicholas yeah uh, yeah nicholas is saint saint nicholas yeah yeah. So uh, in, that's weird. In German, it's uh, 50 50 pretty much. Like some some say baby Jesus, Christkind, yeah. Christ child, and the others say Santa. Yeah. But uh, Santa is called Weihnachtsmann in German, the Christmas the, man. There is this weird, <laughs> weird uh, thing going on that, that now the, t the two are coexisting. For yes. For some, yeah. And, because and of American TV, yes. It's, it's <laughs> the American influence, yeah. Yeah, uh, it's almost like it's all made up and people just yeah, as, as if it's like random. <laughs> and or people anything. don't care. People don't care. <laughs> two two different stories that are completely made up can very well go together in the same mind. Yeah, exactly. All right. All right. Uh, so nobody's wrong, yeah. right? Pontus has anyone been wrong lately? I, I think this week it's almost the last show for the year. So I think it's either nobody's been wrong or the whole of 2020 was just wrong and we should start over. <laughs> it's a big fat being wrong. Yeah, I think we'll skip the really wrong for today. <laughs> we give it to 2020. 2020 has no, been let's, really let's wrong. Let's give it to 2020 next week. Yeah, yeah, let's yeah. do that. Yeah, 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 yeah. When the, last, the last show <laughs> of the year. <laughs> for being really wrong. 2020, you're drunk, go home. <laughs> <laughs> But I think it's only fair that we have a quote. 
And it's a quote from someone whose birthday is coming up soon. Ooh. And that is Sir Isaac Newton. Ooh. And the quote goes, To explain all nature is too difficult a task for any one man or even for any one age. Tis much better to do a little with certainty and leave the rest for others that come after you than to explain all things by conjecture without making sure of anything. Hmm. Smart. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I think it's a good one. I'm, go- I'm going to... Yeah, well, that's a good advice. I'm going to leave a lot of questions after me when I'm gone. <laughs> <laughs> me too. <laughs> yeah, but you can see that with formal education, actually, right? Because yeah, like, the more exactly. you study, the more you know it's a little, with, but with a certain certainty. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but... This has been all for this week, which uh, means that I'd like to thank both of you, Annika and Pontus. Thank you. Thanks a lot. I just wanted to add that this will also be for me the last show of the year. And I will join the show in probably about three weeks, maybe a bit more. We'll see. <laughs> Whenever you feel uh, yes. <laughs> fit to do so, you're welcome. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, sure, of course. But also... Thank you very much for joining us not too long ago. But <laughs> <Of course. laughs> uh, it now now it it feels like you've been with us forever. Um <laughs> right. that's So to say something for 2020, this was not just <laughs> a bad year. It was also exactly. the year when Annika joined the ESP. Exactly. 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 So thank Didn't you very much. Didn't completely uh, fail. <laughs> <laughs> and uh we'll be expecting you back as soon as you can. Exactly. But please both of you and our listeners as well. Uh, to whom I'd like to say thanks for tuning in. I wish you all happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Please enjoy (laughs) your Christmas time, even though I'm pretty sure that it goes for everyone, even uh, everyone listening, that uh, it's not going to be the same as, as usual. But please make the most of it, get the most out of it, and uh, spend it uh, with, uh, with a lot of love in your heart. So thank you very much. And until next week, Goodbye. Tschüss. Hey do. Bis dann. This has been your ESP experience. The show is produced and recorded by the ESP.eu. Join us again next time, but until then, please send your feedback, comments or death threats to info at theesp.eu. We would also love to hear your ideas and suggestions regarding future episodes as well as news from your country of residence that might interest others across the continent. If you have a local event or organization to promote, please don't hesitate to let us know as we are more than happy to help. All music in the program was written and performed by Keisha J. Gray and George Shrub and is used with their permission. Please check out our webpage at theesp.eu, follow us on Twitter at espodcast underscore eu and like us on Facebook. I don't know how you can believe Oh, now it was Annika who did something else. <laughs> I was a good boy this week. Yeah. Good boy. <laughs> good boy. Good boy. Good boy. Bring it back to me. Yeah. Bring it back to Papa. You're good. <laughs> <laughs>